speak to us. And that's what I want to preach to you this morning on how's your hearing? How is your hearing? Now, some of you wives leaned over. There was in the 8 o'clock service, there was a wife that leaned over to her husband and said, He said, how's your hearing? Which told me right away that there was probably more problem than spiritual hearing. They probably need to come to the couple's retreat, maybe. I'm not quite sure about that. But this really, this parable that we're going to look at this morning is really a hearing test. It is a spiritual hearing test. How closely are we listening to the Word of God? How are we receiving the Word of God? I want you to see some truths about that this morning. As we read from verse 1, I'm going to read an extended portion so we get both the parable and the interpretation. Jesus began to teach by the seaside, verse 1, Mark chapter 4. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat on the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine or his teaching, Hearken, a key word, I want you to note that word if you will. That's the beginning of this parable and it's a key word in understanding it. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. Because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth. Some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred. And he said unto them, listen to this carefully, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure, but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it. And bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. This, this parable is a key to understanding the teaching of Jesus and understanding all parables. In fact, Jesus says that in verse 13. He says, if, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand, how are you going to know other parables? Only by faith can we understand and interpret and receive the scriptures. It is the, it is the interpretive key for all the parables. When we look at this, uh, the key word is hear. We saw it at the beginning of the parable when Jesus said, hearken, listen, not just hear it 
and hear the sound come in our ears, but listen, give heed to. Sometimes when I was a child, my mom would, dad would tell me something and they would give me a task to do or something and I would, you know, as kids are prone to do, forget to do it. And sometimes my mom would say something to me about it and I would say, well, I, I didn't hear you. She said, you just didn't listen. You just didn't listen. That's a, there's a difference. And Jesus is saying, hearken. At the end of it, he says, if you have ears to hear, let, let him hear. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. He's not talking about these flappy appendages on the side of our head. He's talking about the ability to really hear and understand what he is saying. To receive what God says. To receive the word of God. Nineteen times when Matthew recounts this parable, he uses the word hear. So this is a, this is a parable about hearing. This is a, a parable about a hearing test. It tests our spiritual hearing. There's four key elements to this parable. Actually, there's five. We'll get to the fifth in a moment. But let me point out to you quickly these first four before we get into what is the one that will be our focus this morning. When we look at this parable, and this is a great parable because Jesus himself actually gives us the interpretation. Have you ever read some of the parables of Jesus and you think, you know, I think I understand what he's talking about, but I'm not really sure what he's talking about. And you read, some, you read people's writings on it. This person interprets it this way, and this person interprets it this way. In this parable, Jesus tells us very clearly what is the interpretation. And that's important because it is true for all of us. We sometimes think of this parable in regards to the gospel. And it certainly, it certainly has an interpretation, application of how people receive the gospel. But it actually is a very general application that it's how all of us can receive God's word and God's speaking. Our attitude, our heart attitude toward the word of God. The first thing that Jesus will point out to us is very important, and that is the seed. The seed, he says, is the word of God. That is the scriptures. That is the message that is being proclaimed. These seeds, the seed of the word has life within it. That life does not die. You say, well, the Bible's an old book. People don't believe that anymore. Let me tell you that the truth of Scripture and the truth of the gospel is a living seed. I read sometime back about archaeologists who were digging, and they found a sealed container of over a 1,000 years old, and inside it was seed. And they took some of those seeds, and they planted it, and it brought forth life. It brought out, it grew into a plant. It just doesn't matter how old it is or how neglected it might have been in your life. The Word of God is powerful. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is alive and powerful. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The Word is the seed. The second thing Jesus points us to is the sower. The sower is the one who shares the word. He's the one that goes, and you can imagine the old pictures of the sowers with their bag of seed strapped around their shoulder, and as they would walk through the field, they would sow the seed. And that's the person who is sharing the word. It might be a pastor preaching from a pulpit. It might be a Sunday school teacher teaching in a small room. It might be a Bible study leader. It might be a mom or dad leading in family devotions. It might be someone sharing a gospel tract somewhere, but it is a seed that is being sown. Never underestimate the power of a simple gospel seed that is sown. 
I know people who think, well, I, I don't feel like I can explain the gospel in its fullness. Well, let me tell you, if we explain and share the gospel in its integrity, if we're true to Scripture and we proclaim the gospel, and we, it may be a simple word, it may be a simple comment, it may be a, a small conversation, it may seem like such a small thing, but it, within that seed is the power of God and the salvation. And the, the power is not in the sowing, the power is in the seed. Now, the sowing does take place, and that's the third thing. He goes out and he shares the word, something that all of us are called to do. All of us have the opportunity to share the word, to sow some seeds. It might be those simple conversations. It might be sitting down with a friend over a piece of pie and a cup of coffee and having a gospel conversation. It might be inviting someone to church to hear the gospel preached. It might be placing a gospel tract in someone's hand, but that is sowing those seeds. Don't Listen to me carefully. Many people do this. I have done this in the past. The power for salvation is not in how well we sow the seed. It is in the power of the seed. It is in power of the word. If you wait until you think you can sow perfectly, you'll never, you'll never uh, sow seed and you'll never reap a harvest. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, he that observes the wind will never sow. If you wait for the perfect time and the perfect moment, you'll never go out and you'll never sow seed. But he says there's the sower that goes out and he's sowing the seed. And the seed is the word. But then we come to the fourth part of this, this narrative, and the fourth part of this parable. And this is the part that we want to focus on this morning. And that is the soil. The soil in this story is what really matters. You see, you can have a great sower. You've got the perfect seed. And you can have sowing that takes place. But if the soil is not receptive, if it is not good soil, then it's not going to make any difference. Sometimes there are, we, we share the gospel and we think, well, I'm not sure I did it well enough. And the gospel, the, it may be simply the soil. Sunday school teachers, you may teach some Sunday, and one Sunday that you may look, and there's somebody that's really receiving, and man, they're getting the most out of it, and this person sitting on the other side is falling asleep. Sort of like a Sunday morning service. It's not the seed, it's not the sower, it's the condition of the soil. What are the different soils that Jesus is going to talk about here? The first I want you to see this morning, I want to ask you four questions. Do you have, number one, a hard heart? Do you have a hard heart toward the Word of God? What's your attitude toward the Word of God? Do you have that same delight that you once had? Listen, if, if, if we're honest, and we should be, <laughs> we're Christians. Some people say, well, you're in church, you better tell the truth. Let me tell you, you ought to be telling the truth whether you're in church or not. But let's just, let's just be clear. Let's be honest about this. There are times in our life when our appetite for and our, our attitude toward the Word of God is not what it has been at better times. We know we go through those seasons. We go through those moments. We go through those times, those eras of, of hardness. And it's that that ought to be the warning sign. It's that that ought to let us know there's something wrong. I need to do something about this. Or we try to ignore it. It's sort of like that little light on your, on your dashboard that, uh, do we even call them dashboards anymore? I don't know. That's an old term. Uh, on the dash of your car that says check engine. 
I had a car one time that that light was on, and I took it to several mechanics, and I don't know. I don't know enough about it. They said, just ignore it. If your car dies, then come see us. I'm like, how am I supposed to come see you if my car's dead? I heard a fellow say one time he was riding down the road, and he said that light came on, and he said his were sort of inset, so there was this little sort of cavern or cavity that the light set back in, and the check engine light. He said, I was driving along the coastal road in California, and I was in my car, and I was really enjoying my drive. So he said, I just reached down, and like all good drivers, you got some napkins in the, in the glove box in between that you probably picked up at McDonald's. And he reached down, and he, took, he said, I took a napkin, and he said, I just stuffed it right down in that light. Didn't see the light for the rest of the trip. He said, of course, my car broke down, and then it was messed up. But that's what we do. We hear that warning sign that our heart is becoming hard toward the Word of God, and instead of doing something about it, instead of listening to it, we try to cover it up, we try to hide it, we ignore it until we fail and fall spiritually because we had a hard heart toward the Word of God. What hardens our hearts? Well, sin can harden your heart. There's unconfessed, unresolved sin in your life it will begin to harden your heart toward the Word of God. And that's why that's a warning sign. What is it in your life? What sin is it that you need to address? What sin is it that you need to deal with? Jeremiah chapter 6, he describes the people of Israel, and he says they have become like reprobate silver. Reprobate silver means unuseful. It's, it's flawed. There's no purpose for it. It cannot be used. God help us that we never reach the point where we become reprobate silver, unuseful to God. But he starts in that chapter, and the first warning sign is, he says they won't listen to the Word of God. It has become a reproach to them. What's your heart toward the Word of God? How hungry are you for your time with God, to hear the voice of God in the mornings when you have your time, your devotions? To hear the Word of God when you come to church, to hear it preached, to be in a Bible study or a Sunday school class, to hear it taught, to, to go to a couple's retreat and hear the word taught, or to turn on, the, turn on the radio or listen to a podcast or listen to a, some of the good preachers that we can hear in our day. Someone was sharing with me just this morning after I preached this that 30 years ago, they got in a truck to go to work and the person they were riding with turned the radio on to listen to a particular preacher. And he says, 30 years later, he is still blessing me. God is using the seed of the word that he is proclaiming to touch my life. But sin can harden our hearts toward that. Apathy, spiritual apathy can harden our hearts. We just get cold and apathetic. We just don't care. We become unfeeling toward the word of God. Bitterness can harden our hearts. Spiritual coldness can harden our heart. Gradually, we just get colder and colder. Let me tell you that familiarity can harden our heart toward the Word of God. I've heard this so many times. I've heard, I've heard that text before. I've heard that sermon before. I'm tired of, I'm almost tired of hearing that. We're, all, we're, like, the, we're like the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Do you remember what they said about, about manna? They got so tired of it. God provided miraculous bread for them to eat. God has provided miraculously for us to have the Word of God. All Scripture is given by 1 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is breathed by God. So we have a miraculous Word to listen to. And they had this bread, and it sustained them. They were able to eat it, and they were able to, just, to live in a wilderness. For 40 years they enjoyed this. And what did they finally say? Our souls do loathe this light bread. We're tired of this. 
It's manna in the morning, manna at lunch, manna at supper. Tired of it. Let me tell you that the Word of God, if we're not careful, can become too familiar to us, so familiar that we become hardened to this. As your heart, do you have a hard heart? Spiritual darkness hardens some people's heart. The Bible says that the God of this world has darkened some people's minds so that they cannot receive and cannot hear. Jesus says, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. If you have a heart to hear God's word, that is a work of God's spirit in your life and in your heart. Listen to that voice. Hear it. God, what are you saying to me? A second kind of heart that Jesus talks about, and I'll ask you this morning, do you have a shallow heart? Do you have a shallow heart? He says there are some that the seed is sown on, and they fall on stony ground where there's not much earth, and immediately it springs up. But it doesn't have much depth of earth so that when the sun comes up, the, the plant withers away. There's no fruit to it. There are those who will get excited in a, in a moment of excitement, and they'll, they'll respond, and they'll do things. Let me tell you, I, I firmly believe in the work of revival. But a danger of a revival is those who are stirred just for a moment, and then it's gone. I've talked in the last weeks to a number of people who preach revivals, and they, they tell me this. They say, it's not what happens during the week of revival that really matters. It's what, what is taking place weeks after. One told me recently that he called and he talked to a pastor, and he heard about people being saved every Sunday following the revival. And he said to me, what happens during the week of revival is not what really matters. It's what happens following. Is it, is it something that's continuous? You see, there's, there's, that, there's that shallow soil in our hearts that we hear something that stirs us or God speaks to us and we're moved and we receive that seed of the Word and it springs up and we're excited. And then as time goes by, like our New Year's resolutions, they sort of fizzle out. I remember a... a lady coming into the revival service one time and she knelt at the altar and man she cried and she was just really moved and the evangelist was really excited and he said after the service he said did you see that lady she he said she told me she's ready to get back in church and really get back and serving God she's sort of drifted away and she is really on fire God's really done a work in her life and I said I, I certainly hope so he said you don't seem very excited about it I said well I was pretty excited the first three times she did it this is about time 14 or 15. And literally every time there was a revival, this lady would come to the same spot in the altar and she would kneel and boy, she would cry and she'd be so excited. And I want to believe that she was genuine. I don't know. But I about, that lasted for about two weeks. And it happened time and time again. She was shallow soil. Her heart received the word and she meant it. She was genuine and it sprang up. But as soon as it got a little difficult, as soon as the first challenges came, as soon as the sun rose up, it withered away. Don't have shallow soil. Let's not be shallow soil that hears the word at a camp or a revival or a special meeting and gets all excited about it and we're all fired up and then it just sort of fizzles out. Jesus said there are those with a shallow heart. There's a third group that Jesus says, third type of soil, third type of heart, and that is a crowded heart. Do you have a crowded heart? He says there's seed that falls on the ground, and before it can grow up, the thorns around it begin to choke it out. The thorns begin, the weeds begin to 
can begin to compete with it. There are, there are in this kind of heart competing priorities. Too many other voices to hear the voice of God. Listen, to, be careful about the voices that are speaking in your life. I'm not suggesting that we have to turn off all the voices, but I am asking this morning, how much priority are we giving to God's voice? I fear that too many of us, and I say us, are giving ear to the voice of the news more than we're listening to the voice of God. I'm not saying it's a sin to listen to the news. I'm saying we ought to consider, am I listening to that voice more than I'm listening to the voice of God? Some are listening to the voice of entertainment. You say, preacher, are you saying it's wrong to watch entertainment or read entertainment? No, I'm saying that we need to be careful and need to evaluate, is that a higher priority? Is that a thorn that is in danger of choking out the Word of God? One of the biggest excuses I hear about having devotions and reading the Bible is, I don't have time. Will you listen to me carefully? If we don't have time in our day to spend time in the Word of God, then there is something in that day that we should not be doing. I'm going to say that again. A few of you are nodding and get that. I'm not so sure. For those that are not, uh, <laughs> maybe don't have the ear to hear, let me repeat that. If my day is so full that I don't have time for the Word of God, then something in that day that I am doing, it may be a good thing, it may not be a sinful thing, but it is something that I don't need to be doing. Because this ought to be a priority. Time with the Word of God ought to be a priority in my life. So we need to evaluate. Is our life a crowded life? Are there so many voices speaking to our ears that we can't hear the voice of God? There's a great story about a missionary who came back to the States and he brought a native chieftain from the, one of the jungle tribes that he was ministering to and he brought him back to the States and they were walking down the, down the streets of a very crowded city and as they were walking, the chief said to the missionary, do you hear that bird? And the missionary said, I... What bird? How can you hear a bird and all the hustle and bustle and the cars going by and the noise on the street and the people going around? He said, listen carefully, look. And he walked over to a tree that was in a little planter nearby, and sure enough, there was a bird up in that tree that was, that was singing, chirping. He said, how on earth did you hear that? He said, it's all in what you're attuned to listen to. He said, let me show you, let me demonstrate. He asked the missionary, he said, do you have any coins in your pocket? reached in his pocket. This was still back in the day when people carried coins in their pocket. And he gave him a handful of coins and he walked out on the sidewalk and he scattered the coins out on the sidewalk and immediately everybody around began to look. And he looked at the missionary and he said, what you are, what you are tuned into listening to is what you will hear. He said, these people are thinking about money. They're thinking about the things of this world and that's what their attention is drawn to. Let me tell you that our attention is drawn. It can be drawn to thorns or it can be drawn to the seed of God's Word. A crowded heart. I hope you don't have this morning. I hope I don't have. And I'm going to be honest. There are times I always pray for a receiving heart. I pray to have good soil in my heart. But unfortunately, it's easy for us to drift over and allow the thorns to creep in and have a crowded heart so that we don't hear what God is saying to us. The fourth kind of heart, Jesus says, is a receptive heart. He says, some fell on good soil, on good ground, and it yielded fruit, 
and it sprang up and increased, and it brought forth. It did all of these things. Now, this is really where we get to a fifth part of this parable that's not really listed. We talked about the seed and the sower, and we talked about the sowing, and we talk about the soil, but this is the Spirit. The work of the Spirit in our hearts to help us have receptive hearts. Do you have a receptive heart? There's a heard um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones shared the story recently of uh, the great British Prime Minister, William Pitt the Younger. He was Prime Minister back in the late 1700s. He was very close friends. They went to school to, um, at the same time together with William Wilberforce, the great freer of the slaves. Wilberforce was a born-again Christian. Pitt was a nominal Christian, but it really didn't mean anything to him, and Wilberforce was concerned about his soul. There was a dynamic preacher, I, well, I don't say dynamic, but a powerful preacher in London at that time by the name of Roger Cecil. He was a, he was a spirit-filled man of God that preached the word. And Wilberforce was, was powerfully moved by his preaching, and he loved to go hear Roger Cecil preach, and so he, he kept talking to William Pitt. I want you to come hear this man preach. I want you to come hear him preach, and he always had some kind of excuse or reason not to do it. And finally, one Sunday, Pitt said to Wilberforce, I'm going to come to church with you. I'm going to come hear Roger Cecil preach. Wilberforce was excited, and he, they went to church together, and they sat in the, they sat in the seats, and uh, Cecil got up and preached, and he preached powerfully. The unction of the Spirit was on him, and he preached the Word, and he preached the Gospel clearly. And Wilberforce was sitting there thinking, I wonder, I wonder what Pitt's thinking. I wonder what's going through his mind. I wonder if he's, he's receiving this, if he's hearing this. And they walked out of the church together, and William Pitt, intelligent, great man that he was, good person that he was, looked at Wilberforce and he said, I don't have the slightest idea what that man has been talking about. What was the difference between one person who received it and was moved by it powerfully and another person who did not receive it and could not hear it? It was a work of the Spirit in their hearts. I want to tell you this morning that if you and I are going to have receptive hearts to the Word of God, it takes a work of the Holy Spirit working in us to give us receptive hearts. In these days and weeks, over the next couple of weeks, and as we prepare for revival, you're going to be hearing the Word, and God is going to be preparing our hearts, and He's going to be speaking to us through His Word. And the question will be, what kind of soil will we have? What kind of heart will we have? How do I have a receptive heart, Pastor? I, I want to have that. Do I just sit back and hope for it? Well, no. Let me give you four quick things to have a receptive heart. Number one, prepare your heart. Just like soil where you have to get the things out. We heard a powerful message from Pastor Tom on Wednesday night about break up your fallow ground. That's what this is talking about, preparing our hearts, taking the stones I've been by fields many times. I love to walk around and walk by the fields and see the beautiful planted crops. But I remember seeing in certain parts of our country at the end of the rows, great piles of stones. What is that? That is over the years, farmers, as they have plowed, they take those large stones and they move them out so that the soil is better ready to receive the seed. Take out those stones. Remove the hindrances from your life so that the soil is prepared. 
The second thing that we need to do is to pray for a softening of our heart. Lord, soften and prepare my heart. Lord, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm seeking to break up the fallow ground. Now, Lord, I need you to rain on that soil. I need you to soften that soil to prepare it. This is a work of the Spirit, and it is a work that He will do to prepare us to receive what God speaks to us through His Word. Number three, pay heed to the seed. Listen carefully to what God is saying. Don't just zoom through it just so you can check off a box on your, on your yearly baby, daily Bible uh, planning, uh, reading plan. Read it, focus on it, hear it, listen to it. When you hear the word preached, when you hear the word taught, when you hear the word read, when you listen to a devotional, when you listen to a podcast, when you have the word put into your mind, listen for what God is saying to you. And then finally, practice what you already know. Put into practice what you already know. Why should God reveal more truth to us when we don't live what He's already shown us? Someone has said we are educated, as Christians, we are educated far beyond our obedience. We know far better and more than we do. He says, put it into practice. So that's what I'm telling you this morning. Let this seed find good soil. And what is the promise to this? There's a promised blessing in Psalm 1. Do you remember what he says? Blessed, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's the blessedness of having a receptive heart. It is a heart in which the seed of the word falls, and it brings forth fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. I want to have a receptive heart. God has spoke. He has spoke, is speaking. The question is, are we listening? How's your hearing? What kind of soil? What kind of soil, what kind of heart will you have for the Word of God? Let's bow together for prayer this morning. In a moment, we'll have a time of invitation. The invitation is the opportunity for you to respond to what God is speaking to you about. And I want to ask you, what, where, what is your heart for the Word of God? How is your appetite for the Word of God? Are you hungry for it? Are you seeking after it? Do you desire it? Do you have a receptive heart? Or has your heart become hardened? by sin, by the things of this world? Is it filled with the thorns and there's so much going on in your life and you're listening to so many other voices that you're not listening to the voice of God? Maybe it's shallow and you've just responded for an instant and then you let it slip by. Let's have receptive hearts. God, grant us good soil. God is speaking to your heart this morning when we stand in a moment. I'm going to invite you to come. Kneel at the altar, stand at the altar, and say, God, God, I want to have, I want to have good soil. This morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I invite you to come as well, or you can pray right where you are and trust Christ. You can hear the the seed of the gospel that you're a sinner. We're all born sinners, but Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for those sins. He arose the third day 
and He offers salvation as a free gift to you. You can write where you are. Simply tell God something like this, Dear Lord, dear God, I know that I am a sinner, and I cannot save myself, but I believe that Jesus died so that I could be saved, so I could be freed from the penalty of sin, and I believe that He arose from the dead. I trust Him and confess Him as my Lord and Savior. If you pray that sincerely from your heart, then the Bible says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I invite you to do that this morning. Whatever else God may speak to you about, I invite you to come to this altar and listen to the voice of God. Father, speak to us, we pray.